So we're going to start the talk. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato sama sambuddhasa. My Dhamma friends, I'm going to talk about meeting fear with mindfulness and courage. The Pali word for fear is Baya. And the opposite of fear is courage, or we can say fearless also, and is Abaya, that's a Pali word. So, if you want to, to overcome fear, you must have courage. But that courage has to be developed. It has to be wise courage and uh, with mindfulness. Now, if I ask you, probably all of you have your own fears. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we have similar fears and others have different fears different from each other but i'm going to point some point out some of the fears that are very common fear of failure we don't want to fail in life i think all of you can relate to that you 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 want to be successful am i right mm-hmm. there is another fear fear of th- success now on one side we are afraid to of failure on one one side also we are afraid to succeed I mean super success if I say one uh, if I say I would like you to succeed and become the president of Uganda or the president of Canada maybe you are going to hesitate (laughs) I don't want to be the president of Canada I don't want to be the president of Uganda why would you be afraid of success? Because success comes with responsibility. Duties and, duties and responsibility. For that matter, you say, no, I'm not going to uh, become uh, the president of USA or, because it comes with a lot of responsibility. We are afraid of uh, the unknown. If I tell you, okay, you know, let's go to Uganda today. And I say, you say, I need to think about it first. And maybe Google, Mr. Google, where is Uganda? <laughs> and what is it to find in Uganda? So we always want to know something about Uganda before we go. So we will not just pack our luggage and go to Uganda. <laughs> so we have fear of unknown. We have fear of, uh, let's say, Fear of going wrong. Uh, we are afraid to do things wrong in very uh, wrong way. We want to do. We we want to be perfect. We don't want to mess up. But that's uh, I, can, I can understand that. Fear of pain is very common also. Nobody want to be pain uh, to have pain. Uh, fear of suffering. There's nobody who wakes up all. Oh, Today may I suffer a little bit. No. (laughs) All people wake up at least they want to have happiness. 
fear of blame. Uh, when somebody blame you of something, then you don't like it. Uh, fear of blame, fear of loss, fear, uh, the fear of death. Most people are afraid of death. Why people are afraid of death yet is going to happen? It will happen whether you fear it or not. But also that belongs to fear of uh, the unknown. We don't know what happens when you die. For me, uh, one time I was a scuba dive instructor before I became a monk. I was working in Thailand. And uh, I was doing a night dive with three people from Denmark. And uh, I borrowed the equipment uh, for, uh, for breathing. Uh, the tank and uh, there's a thing you put here for breathing. And you have to look at the measurement. So the whole thing I borrowed it from a fellow instructor from England. And I took the scuba gear to dive at night. I'm the dive master, leading the three of them. And now we start diving, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I saw them going in front of me. We have to use a flashlight. And for me, I was behind. And I was trying to tell them, please, you have to be in front. You have to be behind. That's what I was going to communicate to them. And I was breathing like this. All of, a, all of a sudden, there was no air. I'm telling you, I went up very fast. And I started communicating by hitting the, my knife on a tank because it makes noise. So they, they look at me when I'm on the surface. I can't go down. I've run out of air. I'm telling you, that's the closest I've ever really uh, come uh, close to what it feels like when you don't have air. <laughs> really, that journey from the bottom of the ocean to really the surface really taught me a lot. In a short time like this, uh, I, I was breathing and there's no single air available. I had to hold a breath until I go up. So that brought me close because I was afraid, really. I was, I was filled with a lot of fear. That really brought me closer to what it's like when you are really about to die. It's just breathing in and you don't breathe out. And the other way around. That's it. I mean, it might come after some kind of suffering and all this. But the real thing is breathing in and you don't breathe out. Or the other one, I'm telling you, I tested that one during that uh, dive, and it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. Well, irrespective of all kind of fears you are experiencing, uh, still the practice is that we have to find a way how to work with it in a very skillful way. The Buddha helped us to make this distinction between these two kinds of uh, between uh, this kind of suffering. Uh, one is which, according to him, is unwholesome. Another one is wholesome. The fear the Buddha talked about that is unwholesome uh, 
is this kind of fear that is being motivated by greed, hatred, delusion, and fear. And fear, greed, fear. When your fear is motivated by greed or attachment, let's say fear of separation, you are attached to the person you don't want to separate. Then that kind of fear of separation. So so this is definitely motivated by attachment, but separation is always uh, is going to happen in life. Fear of aversion, maybe fear of pain that you face in meditation. So that kind of fear is motivated by aversion to pain. Fears that are motivated by ignorance, delusion, or unknown, confusion. Uh, One of them is uh, the fear of the unknown. So you are ignorant. So the Buddha talked about this unwholesome. We should know something. And once you know, there's, there's no problem. They will be, it should be fine. Uh, then there's also fear of fear. Most people have fear of fear. <laughs> so uh, fear of uh, being angry. So this is all unwholesome fear. And some of it, we make it up. <laughs> some of it, we really make up the stuff. <laughs> I give you one... Either I read it from a Zen story or Joseph, I think, gave a, a talk about this man, a painter, who actually was very good at painting tigers. And he painted uh, in a cave. It was in a cave and painted tigers. And uh, one time he went for a walk and came back when it's a little bit dark and then came back to the cave and entered and ran away and was so scared about the tigers in a cave. A lot of fear. Now, <laughs> all of a sudden to remember that he's the one who has been painting all this tiger from, <laughs> from day one. <laughs> and a lot of fears like painting tigers actually. Most of the fear we go through is we actually painting Slowly by slowly. <laughs> Stop painting tigers, you know. When I read this story, I could not relate it to, to very well, uh, but until it came to me myself. This time I was not painting tigers. It was in a monastery in West Virginia when I was uh, training as a monk for eight years in West Virginia so, um, you know, with Bante Gunaratana, if you know him the one who wrote a book on mindfulness in plain English. So I had a, a day off. And now during this day off, I meditated in my house. We call them kutis. And there were deers. Deers used to stay under my kuti, uh, under there. And sometimes they used to walk around. But it was a little bit warm. So what I decided is to prop the door with a chair. I propped the door with a chair. I usually don't do this, but this time I did it. I propped the door, opened it, and put a chair there. And I meditated and meditated and meditated. And now in evening, it was getting darker. So I, I decided that I should really go and get hot water in the meditation hall. And when I was going to uh, leave my house, I decided to close the door. But when I was closing the door, it was stuck. I said, wow, this is an animal. 
<laughs> All of a sudden, I forgot that actually I had propped the door with the chair because it was getting darker. And I was thinking the deer is being actually <laughs> uh, holding my the door. I thought the deer is actually holding the, 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 the door from closing. All the time I thought it was a deer. Of course, this is not a dangerous animal. But imagine if the thought was a tiger. But nevertheless, I was really actually a bit worried that I'm hurting the, tiger, the, the, the deer. <laughs> it's just stuck on my door. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm the one who put the chair there during the time. And now I have forgotten about it. And I'm thinking about what? The deer. So most of our fear is we make it. We make it. In fact, the only power fear has is the power we give it. It's just like a, uh, we put fuel in a car. <laughs> the only power that your car has is the fuel you put it there. When you run it out, you run out of fuel. The car is not having any, any energy. You know? It doesn't have power. So this is very, very important to remember. Then I remembered, oh, that's the, this man who was painting tigers. He got scared <laughs> because of his tigers that he was painting. So now the same applies to me. I'm really kind of scared of the chair that I put there. <laughs> so be mindful of uh, how much investment that you put in your life regarding fear. Some of it will make it up. Uh, I, I remember going to the internet and found out the meaning of fear. It was saying, uh, it's an acronym which say, false evidence appear real. Fear, false evidence appear real. And, and uh, I found out, wow, this is really beautiful. So because in Africa, uh, we have snakes, not many, but we have. But once a while you walk on a road and you see a rope, uh, and you think it's a snake. Actually, you really actually think it's a snake because normally it's carved like snake, and sometimes we don't have flashlights. So what we do, we always go and get a, a flashlight and make sure that we, f we, we, we flash. When we flash, all of a sudden we see it's a, a rope, not a snake. And then we say, wow, all the heart is racing. I was so afraid of this snake, but it's not a snake. It's just a rope. We just kick it and go. <laughs> and we just remove it so that it doesn't scare other people anyway. So when you, we talk about false evidence appear real, is most of the things that we are, we are afraid of, they are not real actually. Yeah, they are not real. Something made up, we conjure up this kind of stuff based on our past lives, uh, experience, you know, like for instance, for me, uh, most of the time when I go to taller building, I have what to call thrill fear, whereby you feel it in the legs, trembling like this. I remember going to New York Empire State House. Is that the name? Tallest building? I don't remember. <laughs> that tallest building in New York, Empire? Empire yes, yes. I went there and then all of a sudden I could feel my legs trembling. Uh, having a thrill fear. Then I said, why, do I ha why, why am I afraid of the heights like this? Then I remember when I was young, I was playing on a house. My dad's house was building a house. 
not a story building, but a shed. And I was very young, and we used to play there, you know, and he told us, don't play on that building, you're going to fall. And my sibling and all that, as soon as he goes, we go up and play. I'm telling you one time, we know normally he comes back at 7 p.m. This time he came back at 3 a.m. I mean 3 p.m. We are up there. I'm telling you, all my sibling ran away. They left me there. And when they came down, they removed the ladder. They thought, oh, son, I'm, I'm gone. They didn't know that actually I'm still there. So they removed the, they removed the, they removed the ladder. Me, when I came, I couldn't find the ladder to go down. I just jumped. I just jumped <laughs> and fell on the ground. My hand just turned this way, like this. And they took me to a chiropractor. And he was a very senior lady, very experienced. And he did, and he turned in position. So every time I go to a tall building, <laughs> I always kind of uh, revisit that experience. And I always feel that some kind of fear in my leg, you know. So it's that fear that uh, actually when I came on this shed and I could not find a ladder <laughs> and I just jumped. Good enough uh, thing, it's not, it was not a story building. It was just a short building. And, uh, uh, but still that pain is still there in my memory. And when I go in a tall building, it's something that comes back. So from our past experience, fears can come, our trauma. There is a, a book uh, of neuroscience by Rick Hanson, The Buddha's Brain. talks about how actually we are afraid in this lifetime. It's many years ago. This is about neuroscience. Uh, thousands and thousands of years ago, we used to live in a, a bush with our friends, dear friends, lions and elephants. We all lived together there. And the constitution was very simple. Eat or be eaten. So in other words, uh, we, we used to live near fire and the people, our relatives used to go to get food. And now, when they go to get food, every time we're very busy. Oh, where are they going? Are they going to come back? Where is the lion? Is this coming from this side? Is it coming from this side? So now, according to this book, Neuroscience, they say that really our default is always scanning for danger, afraid. Even when we go to a safe place, <laughs> now here in Boston <laughs> or Cambridge, there's no lion. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> By the way, people, when they come to Uganda, they said, am I going to meet a lion on the street? <laughs> so anyway, we are safe, relatively safe uh, in terms of animals, but still we are scanning always the danger. What's gonna go wrong? You know, <laughs> what's gonna go wrong? Every time we are looking for, am I safe? Am I? What? What can? What can possibly go wrong? You know. You know? So you go for vacation. Uh, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter where you go. Everything might be safe on on a beach on vacation, but still we, have, we are not settled. In other words, so that's a long time ago. According to this book, we inherited this kind of brain over the years it has changed it has grown bigger but still have a lot of memories of the past you know 
So is uh, Tikinatan talking about when we are born. As soon as we are born, that day I'm telling you, a lot of things happened. The light was very new to us the day we came and uh, very scary light, lights, you know, for the benefit of the doctor, of course, uh, midwife. Then the, the sound was too much for us. The touch was so rough. Even the first breath. So from that time, really, actually, things seemed scary, you know, when we were a child. But the Buddha hammered it this way. He said that the cause of fear is actually from craving. Craving, according uh, in the Dhammapada, the Buddha talked about the cause of fear is from craving, greed, attachment, endearment, passion. So that's where fear comes from. Where there is no such things like attachment and um, uh, endearment and passion, there is no fear. There is no grief. That's according to the Dhammapada. But also when you look at it closely, you find out sometime when you have fear, is something you want to, like something you want to push away. In other words, fear is uh, an emotional reaction to the present danger. Why would you be afraid of a present something, a, a, something uh, like a threat, the present danger or threat? You really have aversion towards it, and aversion is another side of the attachment. So there's desire to get and there's desire to push away. So in, that, in, in, this, in this case, uh, fear is a desire to push away things that are, are threatening us. We want to push it away in the present moment. So we know where it comes from. We know where it comes from. Now, on a wholesome side, the Buddha talks about some kind of fear that we need to cultivate. For this kind of fear I've been talking about, we need to overcome through mindfulness, through courage, through wisdom. That one we need to practice and overcome it. And uh, Buddha is talking about another kind of fear. In Pali, we call it hiri and otapa. Hiri, otapa. Hiri is moral fear. Here we have to qualify it. Not only fear, but it's called moral fear. This is the fear of doing uh, evil things, like fear of killing, fear of um, stealing, fear of uh, doing evil things, you know, that really lead to suffering of oneself, others, and both. So the Buddha said, if you have that fear of doing evil things, yes, you should have that kind of fear out of self-respect. It would be like, and let me talk about the other one also, then I can compare, you can see the difference. There's what also we call moral dread. Moral dread in Pali is otapa. This moral dread is really dreading to do something, but the focus is more of the consequence. What will be the consequences when I do something? Because most people do things without knowing the consequence of what they're doing. The Buddha said that these two kind of fears, uh, uh, mind states, they are the one which protect the world. 
In fact, without these two kinds of fear, moral dread and moral fear, the world will be chaotic. It will be a chaos. <laughs> the world is too chaotic when people don't have fear to, of doing evil and also when people are not afraid of the consequences of the evil things. So to give you a comparison that comes down in the Buddhist literature, okay, if this is a stick and on this side is the fire part, the fire, and on this part is dirt, very dirty. So being afraid to touch the dirty part is what you call hiri, moral fear. Why would you be afraid to touch something dirty? Because you are going to get dirty, right? You're going to get dirty, and then uh, this will be, oh, self-respect, right? I don't want to get dirty. <laughs> uh, we look so much uh, for self-respect when it comes to hearing. But with the stick side, which has fire, we are dreading to touch it, because the consequences, what are the repercussions of touching a fire? You will get burned. And once you get burned, you are going to suffer a lot. Uh, then it's an inconvenience. They have to take you to the hospital. <laughs> uh, that's really wasting people's time and money and resources. You are going to get pain and then they're going to use resources to take the hospital, and both of you have to suffer. So there's a difference. Here is more of the respect of others. Right? Respect of others. And these two mental states are very, very important from a Buddhist point of view also, uh, because that helps us to keep the five precept training guidelines, because we know that if we don't observe the, the minimum of five training guidelines, uh, then we are going to have Consequences. Can you imagine consequences of killing beings, you know? <laughs> consequences and how people are going to view you. So this, the Buddha say, yeah, it's good to have that moral dread and moral fear. But this, he discouraged us to have this kind of unwholesome fear because it's motivated by greed, hatred, and delusion. So now we have make, made that distinction between the two. A kind of fear, one is skillful, another one is unskillful. The next, next thing is how do we work in a very skillful way with fear in our life? It doesn't matter which kind of fear, but how do we work with it? We can use what you call mindfulness, as I told you in my talk, and we can use courage and uh, wisdom. I'm going to draw a lot from the discourse on the, of the Foundation of Mindfulness, and uh, another discourse which is called uh, How to Overcome Obsessive Thoughts. So that's what you are going to use to meet fear with mindfulness and courage. In the discourse, we found out Buddha is telling us to make fear our object of attention. So in other words, when the fear arises, we become aware of fear. Fear is arising in you. When fear is arising in others, also you can be aware of it externally, 
and both internal and external. In other words, fear within you directly. As soon as a fear arises, you have to pay attention to it. You have to be mindful of it when it is present at that moment. And also when it's absent, we have also to pay attention when it's absent because sometimes fear is absent. And the absence of fear is fearless uh, or courage. We have also to pay attention to that because paying attention to that also brings other mind states like uh, gladness, pamoja. It brings other mind states like uh, pity, joy, uh, then uh, calmness and happiness. So you can even compare those mind states together at one moment when you have fear and then you overcome it. Ah, wow, this is like this uh, when I don't have fear. So we need also to be mindful of that and also we need to be mindful when is the fear is present. Especially when it's overwhelming, when you have a lot of fear, you can really learn how to uh, to pay attention to fear itself. But sometimes fear is way too much overwhelming, way too much to face it. At this time, we have to look behind what's behind fear. Uh, In other words, we have to look at what's this fear doing uh, doing to our body. This is called uh, like observing the physical sensations that is bring fears bring in the body so as you know when you have fear the body responds the body's biofeedback when it come to this mental state it will tell you exactly either heartbeat increasing blood circulation increasing tension all this is to prepare to run away from fear <laughs> yes we call it flight fight and or freeze so what it does is this kind of thing that uh, being activated in the body. We have to be mindful of it. And once we do that, we, then it, we get to know the signals when the fear is present. We get to know uh, certain things like heat in the body. When you have fear, your body generates a lot of heat, maybe blood because circulating. It's good to know how fear affects your body so that next time when it arises, you get to know that. But also we, we need to know how fear affects our mind. When fear arises, what's uh, in our mind? Normally when fear arises, we, can, we feel confused. Sometimes we want to know, oh, how can I get out of this place? And we get confused. So we observe how fear affects our mind. Uh, sometimes there's a um, feeling unpleasant normally it's unpleasant experience so we get to become aware of the, we we start to be mindful of that particular feeling then uh, the emotion sometimes maybe fear starts a little bit of a fear and now it's it keeps on escalating then we can know oh this is uh, how it's uh, that, that's emotional background as I'm, I'm having fear then also we look at the thoughts Sometimes when fear arises, then also to trigger some thoughts. Normally these thoughts are not uh, are exaggerated. You know? in, in fact, normally when we have this kind of fear, uh, in Uganda we say 
you make elephant out of a house fly. So because of the fear, then you have all these thoughts about it, you know, around it. Uh, in English, I think they say making mountain out of molehole. Be careful when fear arises because a lot of thoughts that comes when fear is around. What are your thoughts? Are you really, uh, uh, really building up these thoughts and really entertaining these thoughts, making it uh, way too, uh, too unreal, in other words? <laughs> yes. And that's what happens when we have pain. You know when we have pain? And we are afraid of pain. I'm telling you, of course, we observe the sensation, as I told you, and then unpleasant. Uh, and then when we go to emotion, then emotion is aversion. And then when you go to thoughts, I'm telling you, thoughts about pain, thoughts about pain is not your pain. <laughs> There's one thing is pain, and then thoughts about pain is another. All right? <laughs> so now, when it comes to thoughts about pain, Oh, my leg, I think, is going to be amputated. And not me. <laughs> I may not be able to stand up, you know. So this is thinking about it, you know. So And also we add about the pain or this. Uh, wow, after uh, two hours, this pain is going to be so painful. So it's a thought. <laughs> but it's not a pain, but it's just a thought. So it's very, very important to observe those things I've told you as they're happening in the mind. The feelings, the emotional background, and actually the thoughts uh, around pain. So that's the first way to deal with the fear. And then the second way is to really become aware. How did this uh, fear rise? How did it rise in the first place? So going back to find out the cause or the conditions uh, for the fear to arise, it will help you to work with it in a very skillful way. Some of these causes for fear arises is, as I told you, craving, attachment, and all that. Paying anyone's attention to the theme of attachment, then, oh, I told you, uh, desire is bipolar, is desire to get and push away. So when you pay anyone's attention to the theme of uh, of attachment, you find out you always want to push away things that you don't want. So knowing that is very important because then you know, oh, no wonder that's why I'm afraid. I'm afraid of abandonment. I'm afraid of uh, being rejected. I'm afraid of, yeah, because you want to push away that uncomfort feelings, then you have that kind of fear. So conditions are very important to know at that time. And also the condition for the removal. What are the conditions for the removal of fear? Is when, of course, you remove the cause. When you remove the cause, fear will go away. Right? As I told you that it's the fuel that you give fear that makes it strong. You know, The fuel you give it. Once you remove the fuel... Then a fear is going to be removed. So that means removal, of course, of attachment. Once you remove attachment, then there's no fear. Also, we need to know other conditions that will really make this fear go away forever for good. And you'll be surprised to know those conditions. You want to know? 
when you have no fear at all, you overcome fear once for all, is when you attain the third level of enlightenment. When you attain the third level of enlightenment, you are not going to have fear. Why? Is because when you attain the third level of enlightenment, you overcome aversion, which is directly connected to fear. You overcome greed, which again connected to fear. Once you overcome those mental states, then fear is not going to arise in your life. But before that, what should we do? We should always take care of our fear. We should really take care of it. We can even learn how to recycle our fear so that we can gain nuggets of wisdom. We can learn how to work with it in a skillful way so that we don't become lured by fear. Some of us, fear leads our life. <laughs> it's just wherever fear want us to, wants, us to, uh, wants to take us, we just follow. We just follow. <laughs> in other words, we are puppets to our fear. But we want to be uh, uh, really, uh, we want to have uh, some kind of skillful ways on how to deal with the fear so that it doesn't become our master. Okay, we continue with the mindfulness again. Uh, we, we, we continue with really knowing that, okay, when fears are rising, it's just fear. It's like any other mind state. So this is the third stage. We are how to do with fear. So we need, in this case, not to push it away, not to uh, indulge in it, not to ignore it, because most people might, uh, might really uh, go to the mode uh, of ignoring it. Ah, I'm just going to ignore it. No, don't ignore it. We need to understand fear, because it's through understanding that we are going to deal with fear in a skillful way. Because if we go into pushing our fear, that's greed, uh, that's aversion. When we want to push our, our fear, that's aversion. We don't want to cultivate aversion. When we indulge in our fear, hmm, then that's greed. We don't want to cultivate greed. And also, if we, to, we, if we ignore fear, now again, behind that ignoring fear is ignorance, is delusion. So we don't want to be in that reactive mode, autopilot, where we push our things and, uh, and indulge and ignore. We want to do the opposite. We want to have what we call right, or I call it wise attitudes, where we, are, we can respond with understanding, with courage, in, uh, and then we, we, we deal with it. We deal with the fear in that case. So that's the third, the third step we have to do. Now we go to the fourth way. Again, with mindfulness, we can know whether fears are rising, whether it's changing, in other words, rising and passing away of that emotion. This is very, very important because most people identify themselves with fear and then it's as if they have fear from last year, this year, next year. In other words, they think, I'm, a I'm afraid of snakes. They, that's how they brand themselves for me, I'm afraid of snakes. That's the way now they think that the rest of their life they're going to be afraid of snakes. Some people who are afraid of swimming, 
people are afraid of swimming uh, afraid of water they will think that oh i'm always afraid of water but there's no such a thing as something fixed like that because you can learn you can open up to that experience and then learn and you overcome that fear that's what i did i used to be afraid of swimming and now uh, i learned how to swim now i'm not afraid of water so so it's good to see this mental state as rising and passing away not you forcing them to rise and pass away really all what you have to do is to observe them fears are rising ah fears are rising ah oh, fears passing away so we gain insight into what you call impermanence and nature this is a very good insight to get in other words when fears are is, is present if the, instead of pushing it away eh, eh, bury it somewhere <laughs> You open to it, and then you get wisdom. I think that's very good. Now, the another fifth way to really uh, deal with the fear, again with mindfulness, is to really see this fear again as another mind state, but not holding on to it, not holding on to this fear by way of craving by way of wrong views, by way of, of conceit. Like if you just say, oh, fear is mine. This is my fear. It's a kind of uh, identification you have, and we call it in Buddhism, craving. It's my fear. It's mine. And also, uh, say in myself, uh, of course, we use it in a language, but really when you look at it, it's just cultiva- cultivating uh, difficult emotions like craving and wrong views, if you say this myself. And if you say fear is I, then that's what you call conceit, I, I, like that. So if you really follow the prior steps of knowing fear, the conditions for rising, and then the rising and passing of fear, it should come to that conclusion whereby you do not cling to that mind state. You don't cling to it. That's really meeting fear with mindfulness. We are going to look at another side uh, whereby we can tackle Sophia using another discourse. Sometimes there's not enough mindfulness to really uh, meet um, uh, fear. So we need still some kind of mindfulness to use other methods because all Buddha's teaching we have to use some kind of methods uh, which really entails mindfulness. And for me I've actually applied some of this and they worked. I'm going to share with you something really worked for me. Uh, this is really like replacing fear or substituting fear with courage. Uh I grew up in Uganda and uh, there is a common fear running around in those, that country. It's fear of ghosts. I don't know whether in Uganda, you have, I mean in the USA you have the same, but in Uganda, in Igeno, people don't want to go near graveyards, cemetery, especially at night. And the reason is, is that they are going to be ghosts. And those ghosts, 
they are going to do something bad up. So these stories always go around in Uganda and then people uh, tell you about, oh, you know, ghosts, uh, ghosts, ghosts are not very good. They are fearful. They're going to do this to you. And then you ask somebody, have you ever seen a ghost? They say, no. Somebody told me about the ghost. And then you keep on going to somebody. If you go to that somebody, say, have you ever seen a ghost? First-hand experience? So, ah, no. Also, somebody told me. So I was so frustrated. Here I was. I was afraid of ghosts, and nobody has ever told me what a ghost looked like. First-hand experience. So when I went to Thailand, there was a conference in Thailand, and uh, it was in Bangkok at the United Nations. And uh, I heard that when you go in northern Thailand, uh, you can see a ghost. Uh, there are stories also in Thailand about ghosts. They are very good at telling stories about ghosts. So, after the conference, I went. And the monk was there telling me, oh, I saw a ghost. I said, are you... Are you uh, is, uh, because he's a monk, I knew that what, he's seeing, what he was saying was true. I said, yes, I've seen it. I said, please take me. About 10 p.m., we went in a car and they dropped us in a cemetery where they don't cremate. They bury people. He told me, sure, sit here. I'll come after one hour. <laughs> so I sat in a kind of a lapidated house and, uh, and uh, thatched house in the dark and uh, the monk disappeared. I don't know where he went. <laughs> he had a flashlight. I didn't have a flashlight. He left me there. Here am I. I am a monk, and I have all these techniques on how to deal with fear. And I want to see a ghost first-hand experience. I sat, sat. Long story short, pow, pow, pow. I had something breaking. I thought it was branches, but I wasn't sure. I said, "Wow." Maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> the ghost is coming. Maybe I should not meditate when my eyes are closed. I, sh I should open my eyes. So I opened my eyes. And then uh, mosquitoes start biting me. Uh, very many mosquitoes. They love me so much. My shaved head, you know. Uh, so worried about dinghy from uh, Thailand. And then I, I was coming from Uganda, maybe with a little bit of malaria. I wasn't sure what I'm going to get from <laughs> out of that seat. Malaria, dinghy, or both, you know. <laughs> so I sat there with the intention to see the ghost. All of a sudden, I heard steps. Pa, 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 pa. At that time, I was doing walking meditation. And then... I said, wow, finally, the, the ghost is coming. So all of a sudden, the, the monk flashed. And they said, oh, this is a monk. What a disappointment. <laughs> I thought it was really a ghost, actually. But actually, it was a monk who has picked me up after one hour. I told him I haven't seen a ghost. It's okay, sorry about that. But anyway, next time. <laughs> he told me this time, come back next time. And I take you to where they buried Ajancha, uh, the grave of Ajancha, the cremated. He say when you go there, sure, you will get a ghost. But I can tell you some of the methods that I used that back there, that time when I was hearing those steps, when the branches, the, the, I, I was hearing branches breaking. 
I started having courage, 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 courage. And then I started, well, if I go, if the ghosts take me, I introduced Buddhism to Uganda and people will be practicing Buddhism in Uganda even if I'm, I'm disappearing, you know. And sometimes I feel like a tiger's coming because I read the stories about tigers coming, approaching monks who are meditating. And I said, wow, if the tiger takes me now, I introduced Buddhism in Uganda and my mother is a nun and she's practicing. And even if I go, those people will be practicing for their liberation, you know. It was amazing how I had that courage, really, to re reflect that way. And then meta loving kindness, may I be well, happy, and peaceful. May all beings be well, happy, and peaceful. May I be well, happy, and peaceful. I sent lots of meta during that time. I knew I'm the one who wanted to see the ghost, but I'm telling you the real experience. When you really feel things breaking, you know, steps coming, you say, wow. So anyway, up to now, I haven't seen a ghost. But I really practiced what we call replacement method, replacing fear with courage. I really had the courage. To, the courage I had is really to go in a forest there, in a graveyard. And that was courageous. I felt, wow, even I had the courage to face my fear, you know. And also during that time, I really actually seen loving kindness and the courage to really be ready. I say, yes, I'm ready. You come. I'm, I open my eyes. I'm not going to close my eyes. I don't want to, the ghost to come when my eyes are closed, you know. So actually you can face your fear with the opposite, with courage. But I, I encourage you to have some kind of mindfulness because if you don't have mindfulness and say, ah, I have, I have courage, then you are opening too much. And that's scary. It needs to have mindfulness, courage, whereby mindfulness can bring you close to that area uh, gradually, hmm? gradually, slowly, where you can open softly so that you can really uh, face your fear with uh, courage uh, in a very mindful way. In other words, not overwhelmed with the fear. And I think this kind uh, modern psychology, they use it, is called exposure therapy. Whether they expose you to, to what you're afraid of, but not all of a sudden. Of course, when you're afraid of snakes, they don't say, okay, one is here, touch it. That's too much, you know. But it's just opening softly. And that's a bit of mindfulness. It brings you to that age where you can open softly. Now another way is to really uh, reflect on the danger of, uh, of fear. Uh, you see, when it defiles your mind when you, fear is present. So we need to really reflect like this. Then it helps also to overcome uh, fear. Another way that I found out that works very well also is to redirect your mind. You redirect your mind from fear and come back to the breath, come back to the body, relax. And now that helps to sidestep uh, fear. And by the time you go back, it has lost momentum. And finally, uh, is really making strong resolve. I, making a strong resolve 
for the fear not to become your master. But really, uh, see fear as something that you can handle. And for me, I do these reflections every morning. Uh, that I, uh, uh, This reflection I got from His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Uh, it goes like this. I'm grateful to be alive. I'm awake. I have a precious life. I'm not going to waste it. Thinking about greed, hatred, delusion, and fear. I'm going to cultivate generosity, loving kindness, compassion, wisdom, and courage. I'm going to forgive myself for whatever I've done and forgive others. I'm going to benefit others as much as I can. I'm going to benefit others as much as I can. So I've really modified it. It is a, a reflection from His Holiness the Dalama, but I have modified it so that I can face life with courage. There's a lot of pandemic, COVID. Now in Uganda, there's Ebola coming. I mean, there's a lot of things to worry about. It. But when I do these reflections, which is amazing, for me, this is amazing. It's not the one, like, I do it to set up the stage for, in, uh, for the day in the morning. And it's just amazing that whenever I encounter any situation that arouses fear, I remember, wow, in the morning I made a commitment to have courage. It's not that when you, you do this reflection, you are, not going to, you are not going to have fear. No, you are going to have fear. You're going to have a lot of things that trigger your fear, but you're going to remember. You're going to remember that you have made that commitment to have courage. Then that reminds you of having courage to face your fear. In fact, there is a saying that mindfulness is not difficult, but what's difficult is to remember to be mindful. Really, when we are remembering to be mindful in a face of fear, then fear doesn't take a big toll on us. Then we remember. Then we can really respond with wisdom, with mindfulness and courage and meet fear in a very skillful way. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much, my friends. I wish you the best. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.